Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events through the lens of the Christian worldview. And uh, this morning to my right, I have Jennifer. How are you? Hello. Glad to have you on. Sitting in the chair of politics today, I see. Yes, sir. Very good. Dealing with the political nature of our beliefs. And to our right, we have Miss Nikki. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Yourself? I'm very good. Thank you. And you'll be sitting in the chair of economics. I will. We'll see how this goes out. (laughs) Uh, It's going to fit you like a glove today, especially with the topic dealing with the values that we must hold as Christians and, frankly, the values of the world. To her right, Mr. Charlie. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Uh, We are doing great. We are going to take the chair of theology today. Very good. Very good. So dealing with the reason why we believe what we believe. Excellent. Now, to his right, my left, we have Mr. Steve. Yes, sir. How are you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, John Arthur. Excellent. And we have you in the chair of? Culture. Glad to have you there dealing with the culture that the uh, world has brought and the counterculture that the Christian must bring. And yours truly will be sitting in the chair of philosophy today. You must have an intellectual rigor for your belief if you love the Lord you will obey his commandments. That takes some thought and just some good common sense, some discerning, be as wise as serpents, innocent as doves. If you read the title to the podcast this morning, you know that we're getting deeper into the body dysmorphia issue. Now, we love these tough subjects. There's, yes, sir. There's a few things to consider when we're dealing with this problem. When we're dealing with this problem, we're going to have to look at this in a way that is loving and understanding. And what we we really want to come at this from the approach of the person's soul, their immortal soul, because that's that's where the value lies. So I want to start off with saying anecdotally, transition surgery a lifestyle with a same-sex partner. There are a lot of folks who say that this has helped with their depression. This has changed their life. I just want to throw that around the room really quickly because anecdotally, I know most of us in here know someone. If someone has a family member or a friend who is LGBT, You will hear them say, this is not only who I am, this is helping me cope with what feelings I have inside of my soul. It's going to be a bit of a different podcast today. Yeah, I mean, I would just say as far as the anecdotal evidence, and and I think that I would separate the... um, people living um, like gay or lesbian lifestyles from the transgenderism. I think there's slightly different issues just because of how extreme um, transgenderism is taken with like actual hormones and medical treatments and things like that. But I think that in general, I would say I would be very interested in how long that perceived happiness lasts. Amen. Amen. And that, you, you really just nailed it. And we're going to get to the statistics, the real-world facts of what happens to the vast majority of folks who go through this. But, Miss Nikki, 
I would say in the short term, I believe they, they find some relief. Long term, I believe they're going to suffer terribly. And then let me just say this. As a, a woman who is 56 years old, your thinking changes as you get older. You really do. The, the things that you were uh, liked at 21 and what you were thinking and dreaming about it in your 20s changes when you're 50, in your 50s and 60s. So long term, I think there's going to be a great deal of complication. Mr. Charlie. I think there's, when you look at this issue, there's one thing that that disturbs me, like the things that I saw back in the 80s. And I think that it's it's difficult to understand when you're in that kind of a position, how much you're being attacked by satanic forces, if you will. And what I mean by that is, is that years ago, we saw our kids being attacked on TV for their moral values. Okay, well, fast forward to 2022, and what are they being attacked for now? Now they're being attacked. They need to change. They need to change their sexuality. And I think, you know, we need to we need to compete for our kids. And I, I think there's some things that we'll bring out today that, that show that this issue is very important. And it's very important for our kids and not for the reasons that some on the other side might think. And that really is where, that is the nail on the head for yep. this. And let's, let's get to it in a little bit, but just anecdotally, have you, Mr. Steve, ever had someone who has suffered from dysmorphia and said that they, they felt better because of their acceptance or their, I would say, their indulgence in the dysmorphic behavior? I personally don't have a friend or personally somebody that I know that has that goes through body dysmorphia um all i really know so much is culturally what goes on or what i've read or those that i've uh, read about um and the statistics on you know i don't have them right in front of me at this moment we but, will yes i will and uh but they don't look good. And in today's culture, you know, it. when you talk against this sort of thing, you're looked down upon. You're uh, typically called names, you're talked bad against. Uh, some people even lose their jobs yes. just because um, you may not agree with the fact that someone has changed their gender just for the fact that you may not agree with it. The fact that you think that it might have been harmful. Right. And so I, I have friends who, who are gay. If I, if, I, if I have any transgender friends or, or acquaintances, honestly, they've done a good job. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, th th there are some very, very, very convincing uh, traps out there, if you will, as they, as they call them. <laughs> uh, but but I'm, I am aware of some really good friends who suffer with this dysmorphia surrounding the family unit because of their personal family lives, because of what men or women role models have done to them. 
and how it has destroyed their view of the family and their role or potential role in that family. Yes, but that is correctable. But and, through and that, biblical well, principles, that is, I mean, there is right there. suffering. Many people have suffered in many, many ways that has caused mm-hmm. a different perception of life of a woman or a man, a mother or a father. Um, but that can be treated. And that right there is something that you can do without a knife. Correct. And by the way. And giving them peace of mind. The object is to bring them peace, Amen. not to bring them suffering. That, that, boy, there's a statement right there. That's a powerful statement. And, and if Christians would wake up to that, we'd be a whole lot better off. It, it, that is the statement. It's for peace, not, not torture. And, and that right there, I, so let's get to the stats in just a moment, but I just want to say our mission is not the destruction of someone who is suffering from same-sex attraction or suffering from body dysmorphia, which is primarily what we're talking about. But I, I do want to briefly glance the other LGBT issue here with not seeing a a way out of the pain that someone is suffering with the idea of having to live within that family confine, that family structure. Yeah. So for right now, when, when, when and we're going to link in a description. I'm actually going to quote Blair White here. If you don't know who Blair White is, Blair White's a very famous uh, YouTuber, almost a million subscribers now. Congratulations, Blair White. Uh, Blair White is someone I started looking into back in 2012, 2014, somewhere in there when I was kind of getting, I was becoming aware of the transgender issue and it was becoming a serious issue. And I was listening to this person, this gal, talking about uh, transgender issues and how transitioning children is so morally reprehensible. And then I realized, oh, Blair hasn't always been Blair. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you, you want to talk about getting demonetized. There's a transgender individual who's been demonetized for saying, look, I'm happy with my, my sex change. I'm happy with it. Has some bad stats about the long-term issues, but says you should really not be encouraging people to go through this. This is an awful experience, and this is an awful lifestyle. If it's what helps me deal with my mental issue, I'll deal with it. But you shouldn't be telling kids to, which I, I think is a nuanced view that I don't agree with, but I can really appreciate the mental acuity. Sure. I mean, there's definitely a difference between somebody who is making a real attempt to be reasonable with you, and you can both talk to each other and have hard conversations and conversations that don't resolve right away and still continue to speak to each other. And then there's people who will yell and scream and kick and cry and call on Twitter to cancel you and just be ridiculous and immature. Well, most people, most LGBT people, there there was a stat at one point that, you could actually follow up on actual activists within the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Most of them had no interest in being in the spotlight. They just want to be left alone. They just want to live their life, and they just want to get through their suffering. 
Yeah, I mean, I have no statistics on this, but I suspect that a large majority of these people who get on TikTok and, like, yell and scream and make videos about just the most ridiculous things, they're just, they're just chasing attention. Correct. And let's look at the cost of that. So there's a link link in the description and in the article for Provoke to Reason. Uh, long-term follow-up of transsexual persons undergoing sexual reassignment surgery. There's a very, very good graph that, that kind of boils it down. Now, there are lies, darn lies, and statistics, right? But th this is telling. This is after adjustment for, um, I believe it was, uh, see, after adjustment for several factors. I'm, 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 I'm missing immigration status, psychiatric morbidity prior to sexual reassignment. There you go. And that's in the main outcome measures of the study from and you can find it at uh, journals.pls.org. Any cause of death is, is it's kind of a broad swath, but you look at male and female controls, males have a typically twice uh, as high morbidity as females just because of testosterone, job placement, those sorts of things. Men tend to be a little bit more risky, but male and females who have had their gender mutilation surgery or reassignment surgery. I'm not, I'm not saying that to be, to be, to be funny. It, it, it's, it's a mutilation of your body. Let's call it what it is. Males are 20 times as likely to be deceased 15 years out, 10 to 15 years out from the transition period. And you can see this on the chart. You, you look at, it goes from, uh, that, uh, after the surgery, 10 years later, you have approximately 97% or, you know, plus 95% of men still alive in the normal heterosexual bracket. You have about 85, 87%. That is an incredible jump. That is an wow. incredible jump in morbidity. Well, I listened to a, a gentleman uh, that did the uh, surgery and became a woman through the surgery. And then years later uh, became a Christian. And one of the things he did say was, if you will study transgender issues, you will find that most of them have an addiction problem because they don't ever find complete peace. So there's going to be a drug and alcohol problem with that individual, which could actually lead to that higher rate of suicides and so death. So why are we, and I'm going to throw this around to the chair, starting with the chair of theology. And this is going to be really an important question for you. Why is the world pushing for our children to consider a lifestyle that puts them at a 20 time higher morbidity rate 15 years out there, there, there there's some serious stuff going on and does it not have to do with God's nuclear structure of the family oh so man there's so many things I want to say here but yes there's you've got The hand that, that rocks the cradle rules the world. There's there's one. 
But when you talk about the family structure, and, and we've talked about this before, we've talked about how the black family back in the Lyndon Johnson days really was set up to fail. And that's, that's not just going to affect them eventually. It's going to affect all of us. And that's exactly what's going on right now. If we can control the mind of a child, we can get them to do whatever we want. So now we're going to impact culture. We're going to impact uh, economics. Um, we're we're going to go down through the whole thing here. This is truly a control mechanism. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And let's go a step further in the chair philosophy here. If you can break down the theological concept of God is the father, the loving father, and Christ is the bridegroom, then you, you have disassociated that Judeo-Christian yes. value. Yes. And once you've done that, you can rewrite the value structure of your society as you please. Because where they're really going, and we're going to dig into the scripture verses on this, so everyone get ready to pick out some verses uh, from the show map, because we're, we're going to go to the Bible in the last half of this. But the value of the family, there's a, there's a nuclear core value and structure that God put at the base of our society, of our humanity, of and the I, human organism. And, and let's, let's quote that verse right now. So that's Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, I've got a boatload of verses here, but that's to get us started. Absolutely. So let's move on to the chair of culture here. After we have destructured. And again, the question here that we're dealing with right at this second is why would society be pushing for a dangerous lifestyle? Something that ultimately has a, is an incredibly high risk of morbidity from a number of reasons. The sex reassignment surgery doesn't kill people. That is, it. That is such a straw man. But what it does is, is it ignores the problem. So culturally, what are they doing with creating the culture? Instead of creating God's culture, are they not recreating God or their belief system in their own image? I was, yeah. Oh, good question, Mr. Steve. Steve. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just Charlie's jumping. over there oh. jumping up and down in his I seat. <laughs> I think he's standing on his feet in his seat. <laughs> and yes, as a matter of fact, what we're what we're getting here is it's kind of like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. If if you hear that, many people have heard that saying. And what we have is we have a small section of of society, and we know that the LGBTQ plus part of society is a small percentage of society. Now, what we have is, is if you get in and you get this small segment and you sneak it and get it in and weave it into, say, elementary school, and you weave it in and get it into these children, 
what you're going to do is, and you get it into their minds, you start getting cultural acceptance of something that is not being typically culturally accepted throughout society and culture for as long as man can be around until from what early early days when god decided to end sodom and gomorrah and ended times back before noah i mean we're talking times when you know we got sodom and gomorrah i mean come on we know what happened there and why it happened absolutely we know why it happened now we're looking at the same sort of thing that's starting to happen in California schools. San Francisco, LA, they're weaving the same sort of things into the school. And I say things we're, by what I mean by that, by weaving this culture of critical, trans, theory. critical race theory, critical theory critical on transgenderism, into the minds of children where they're like an open slate. Correct. Children are. And when you get those open minds and you start feeding them ideas that maybe this and telling them this and telling them that, they start believing it. Because why? Because it's from school. And you have someone come tell them at school. Well, it was at school, mommy. Someone came to school and told me, so it must be true because it was the teacher at school. Does the teacher, because the teacher had them bring them here. And you've got a teacher that is telling them the same thing on a daily basis that believes story. the same exact thing. It's bringing them in. You have principals that believe the same exact thing and that are bringing these people in. And then what you have is you have children that are going to develop this type of idea at such an early age where they haven't even started puberty yet. You're talking children that... They shouldn't even be thinking about that. They, they, they don't even know what sex to, is. Just, they, they just need to be innocent. And, and, and so that, that, that really is the, the deal right here is when you have the minds of the children you're able to recreate society in your own image. And that really boils over to politics here. And I want to go to the chair of politics here. I want to dig in, and, and Ms. Nikki, hold that thought, because I know I know it's going to be good. <laughs> but politically speaking, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of take a bit of a different tack, because we've been talking about how dangerous it is for the children, how dangerous it is for the adults. But politicians have really blindly subscribed to, to this even some of these politicians, I'm telling you, if their kid went that way, they, it, in their in their Never soul, they would be they would be ready to kill their kid. But they will support the platform because they're worried about their kid's fate. So let's ask politically. We've seen the rise of transgenderism as a and just in general, this whole topic has become a hot button issue politically, and it's polarized not over the facts and science. Why? Well, it's polarized over the emotion, primarily. I mean, this is a, a difficult issue. These 
people are really suffering. And could one these, say that the candidates are taking advantage of absolutely? That? I was just you know, these 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 political candidates are seeing this as something that they can use to entice people to their side because they're 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 telling these people that they have the answer that they have something that's going to make them feel better look look at all these activists who are saying that they feel so much better and they love their life of of just giving in to every desire that their mind comes up with and and it is very tempting for people who are going through mental pain to want to believe it when someone tells them that they have the answer. And and once they have gotten them, so to speak, then these politicians pretty much have them for life. Because this, um, I, I can't leave my political camp. My political camp is, is my savior. I can't, I can't go to the other side who wants me to do these things that are so difficult and painful and and aren't going to surface level soothe the issues that I'm dealing with. So it's a very powerful political tool and it's a very powerful virtue signal between regular people about whether or not you are a a good person because you want to help, quote-unquote, help these people feel better. And it's much easier to get behind a critical critical thought idea, an agenda, because it does nothing. It costs you nothing. Yes, and I did just want to tack on one thought to Mr. Steves with the idea of children being indoctrinated by teachers. It's also a phenomenon that we're seeing now when children get into friend groups, peer-to-peer, and one person goes into this. It's it's an actual phenomenon of between girls at least that it spreads within friend groups. Once one friend has it, now all the others suddenly discover that they too have the same condition. Rapid onset gender dysphoria is and there was a study done out of uh, Berkeley of all places, and this one. Professor was saying, well, I want to disprove it. But then she goes and says, wait, th- this this really looks kind of like maybe there's something to it here, but I don't want to publish this because I'm afraid of harming the community, yada, yada. She got fired. Like, yep. They fired her, sorry, but. And she was on the, the, the trans team, you know, the LGBT team. The thing is, is the ideology comes from critical theory. You have to understand, if you don't understand that all of this is coming from critical theory based out of Marxist Leninist uh, uh, theory, and it's not always based on class. It's about deconstructing the pernicious Judeo-Christian ideology that's shackling us all. That's what it's about. But there's something else going on here, and there's a real economic side to this. I don't know if you got that uh, uh, headline I shot you. Can you just read that headline, Miss Nikki, the Chair of Economics? Yes, it says uh, sex reassignment surgery market to hit the USD. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, 1.5 billion, billion by 2026. This is from Global Newswire. Yes. And that is just talking the surgery market. Just the surgery market. That's not talking about re-educating everybody to accept this. 
and rewriting books to take out the gender because you know. Well, we what about the psychologists and the psychiatrists and? So this is this is really a lowball figure compared to what's actually coming. Correct. And I want to share this with you is um, because none of you were alive at this time, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> the, saying, the saying back in the 70s and the 80s was, if it feels good, do it. And I remember being a young teenager listening to a pastor preach so hard against it. And I thought, oh, you're just, just overreacting over this whole thing. Well, I never, nobody ever thought we would get to this point where whatever your mind thinks should be acceptable. Never, no, we, nobody ever thought we would get to this day where if you can say that well, I'm, I may have a body of a woman, but I feel like a man. Can you also say, I may have the body of a human, but I feel like a cat? And that is here. And I, cats don't pay taxes. I'm sorry. Next week. And that's here. Mm. We'll, we'll, next. The, and what the, else is coming? I yes. mean, there's, furry, furry. There's, no, there's no boundaries here. And society does not function outside of boundaries. And, and that right there is where things really hit the road. You're going to see a decrease in the capacity for society to function after a certain point. You want to know how I know this? I'm not a prophet. You just read what happened to Rome. You read what? How mm. do the Greeks mm. get their tails kicked so yeah. well? That's, That's excellent point. A non-functioning society does not pay taxes and there's no economy. So you are not going to <laughs> utopia like everybody thinks you are. You are actually looking for a... Uh, bondage. That's where you're going. You're going to bondage. And poverty. And so that right there... Isn't that what Satan wants? Absolutely. That right there is where is where it really comes down to why are we saying this? Why do we believe what we believe? So if y'all can start to pull up some of these verses. So, John Arthur, don't you know history was written by white men? It was written by white men. You can't look to that for... I can't look at, oh, sorry, sorry. These were written by Jews. They were brown. Oh, that's basically white now, so they don't count It's it's light white. It's light white. So let me see here. Let me see here. Well, John Arthur, while you're looking for that, there's there's this article that you've got here for the Center for American Progress. Boy, howdy. This article is so old and it's so bad. I mean, this is back. A while, but uh, there's some interesting things here. The author says there are a few biblical verses that address homosexuality at all, and most of those are not directed at homosexuality per se. Totally false. Totally false. And I'm going to give some in just a moment. Um, Jesus never said one word against homosexuality. I'd have to double check that. But even if he didn't, if you're taking the totality of the Bible as a whole and where Jesus stood with regards to Scripture, you would easily be able to conclude he's not for it um, by any stretch. No, uh, number three, the Bible never mentions or condemns the concept we call same-sex ma- marriage. I'm going to nail that one in just a moment. Those who claim a biblical definition of marriage as a model for today ignore various marital arrangements in the Bible that would be illegal or condemned today. Totally inaccurate. So let me give you a few here. Leviticus 18.22, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is, watch it, abomination. 
It's wrong. Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And I, I could go on and on. I want to get one more. This is out of um, uh, first, hang on here, first Corinthians 6. Now, I was going to go to 6, but I'm going to go to chapter 7, verse 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, watch this, and let every woman have her own husband. By the way, just because you want to change the terminology when it comes, quote-unquote, to being at the altar, and you got two women or two men, and somebody has to be a wife, and somebody has... No. No. You do not get to play with the words and make them what you want to fit the way that you want to live. That's not how God operates. And you don't get to change your sex to make it all okay. Well, right. let's, let's, let's talk about that just in brief. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too far. But scientifically, cutting and tucking some stuff around and flapping some folds about and doing some plastic surgery does not change your DNA. Amen. It does not right. change the hard-coded firmware in your brain. There is a soul that is hurt. And by the way, anecdotally, I can say this, every, every homosexual that I know has been brutally abused. And most, and most people who are suffering from transgenderism, it's, I need the stat in front of me, but it's pre-rapid onset gender dysmorphia. I don't know what it is now, but it was approximately 85 to 90% had radical abuse in their, uh, in their life. Mm. And it was usually done by a male figure who sexually abused them. So just to be clear here, that's what we're dealing with. Now, I did want to get to that one uh, story after we talked about uh, uh, Genesis 2.24. So I'm glad that we've gone ahead and, and done that. Mark 27, or 7.21, you've read that. Mark, uh, Romans 1.24 through 32, can someone please get that for me? Sure, I got it pulled up. Uh, Romans 1, starting in verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. For even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, dis despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, 
covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So, and I, I wanted to put that up before we got to that one article, but this is, this is directly at the folks who say that the Bible doesn't speak about homosexuality. It absolutely does, yeah. they, they, yes, strongly. Well, so. and, and please take note of, of that section of Romans. Where did the sin originate? Did it mm. come from God? Did God say, ah, I don't like this person, so I'm going to make them do these bad things and just get rid of them? No. It's from man's heart that sin comes. And when man does not restrain themselves and their own wicked affections and vile thoughts and they reject the Holy Spirit of God to help them do that God responds to you and your attitude toward him let me be really clear I like girls if I and most men like women right if every single urge that a man had was acted upon wouldn't be pretty there would be a bad, we'd have a bad day, okay? Now, I'd like to think of myself as someone who has a good thought life. I control those thoughts. I try to keep those thoughts from even entering my mind, but that is something that is rigorously dealt with. You have to deal with that on a mental level. You have to cut it off at the, at the root, not at the stem, not at the branch. And it's ongoing. It's every day. It's every second. You have to keep your mind in check. And when it comes to the lies of the enemy, if you let something fester, like the hurt or pain from abuse, or whatever is driving you to this point where you think that you think you know better than God. Let's talk about what God really means for you, though. I actually have a verse on this, John Arthur, if you're... Please. Okay. This is in Psalms... 139, and it's going to be verses 13 through 18. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. This is going into the details of when you are created in your mother's womb. God writes down the... God writes down your personality. It, they're, they're held in a book in heaven. Who you are, what you are. And it, he created you for a purpose and a plan. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I said to my granddaughter the other day, she, she turned 11. And I said to her, don't let anybody rob you of your value. And she looked at me, she said, what does that mean? And I said, you were created and you're very valuable by, to God. And when other kids come up to you and yell mean and ugly things, what they're trying to do is devalue you. 
And when you believe that, you allow them to rob you of your value. When you are in a situation and you don't like who you are, and it doesn't matter, you may not even want, you may be a, a female and don't even want to be a male, but you don't like yourself. You have allowed circumstances and other people to rob you of the value that God has placed on you. Amen. And, you know, we, we, we read Psalms 139 last week, but we'll probably read it again uh, next week when we talk about bestiality too. And, and, and furry, however you want to categorize that, where you can't identify with the human sexual experience as a period. Mm-hmm. But your value is derived from God. And what the enemy of your soul really wants to do is he wants to rob you of what we see in Ephesians 5, 21 through 32. Can someone get that for me? What Ephesians, is it? Ephesians 5, 21 through 32. Yeah, I've got that. And what you see here is an image of God's relationship that he is buying for your soul for. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. So what kind of image does that paint if, if you're supposed to lay your life down as Christ did for the church as the man, and the woman is to serve the man and love the man like the church does Christ. When you think about this, John Arthur, when you, when you think about what Christ did for mankind, he sacrificed himself for mankind. Think about that for a moment. If Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride, if man is sacrificing for his wife and his wife is honoring and, and submitting to the man, what have we got? You've got a tie between the two. You've, you've, got, you've got a link of what man and wife are supposed to be. Christ, in a spiritual example. Christ, who did not think himself, did not think of robbery, yeah. to put himself in submission to God. Yeah. Christ, who, who's the one that we all, everyone thinks about Christ? They don't think about God the Father as much as they do Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ is the preeminent one. But guess what? He is in that position as, as submitted to the Father, but they're co-equal just as the spirit is co-equal. And that, that's a beautiful example. And God wants, the church is described as this bride. Man, what a, what a thing to be taken away by, by, by vain human philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, and I just wanna go over to the chair of culture what has the culture said about marriage? Let's zoom out entirely, and then I want to get granular on the issue of transgenderism. But what has the culture in general said about marriage? 
about this institution that God has put on earth so that we can see the glory of heaven. Culture has it set up to where what we do is typically in culture, we date someone for a while. Um, Usually a lot of times in today's society, in today's culture, what happens is a lot of times people move in together live with each other for a while, decide if this is going to work out or not. And they live with each other for a period of time. If it works out, that's great. They get married. If not, they go their separate ways. Okay? That happens a lot. Does you God see that. Now, that is not blessed does God, by God. Does God ever that, do that to the church? God mm. does not do that. Isn't it wonderful that God holds his side better than we do in real world? Always. Boy, you are not kidding. Isn't that a reflection on the difference between God and man? Amen. Amen. People go in their separate ways because they don't agree with each other. But if we don't agree with God, we, we might go a different way. But you know something? God's still there. God is still the same and will always be the same as he always is and is never changing. Amen. Omnipotent. So, and, and the thing is on, on marriage, you know, you go, you either have this Christian lifestyle where you meet someone, you like them, you, you deal with them, you have this relationship with them of getting to know each other and you get married because you meet each other and you have the same cultural ideas, the same views in say your Christian beliefs, you get married. And then on the other hand, you have those that don't live that lifestyle live together for what, a year or two, get married, kind of whatever, and then what, maybe five, six years later, they have some kids and get divorced. Somebody's paying child support. You got problems. Maybe the cops get involved, blah, blah, blah. You got hand problems. You get someone getting abused, and then all of a sudden, you have what occurring transgenderism happens because some child's getting abused by somebody because maybe the wife gets involved with somebody who happens to be abusive to her children and here the cycle starts all over again. And we talked about nihilism sprouting out of a failure of institutions. And so thank you. Mr. Johnson, that, that, that is incredibly spot on. Uh, a little bit late to the studio today. We got Winston, and I, I wanted to pair him up with Mr. Johnson because this is his favorite chair, Winston's cha- Winston's favorite chair. They both love this chair, the chair of culture. How you doing this morning? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> I'm glad to have you. Uh, he comes in with his bad boy leather jacket. That is a spanking jacket, by the way. His grandfather gave it to him. We can't hear you, but you got to get closer to the mic. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> But 
<laughs> I, want, I want you to weigh in because I really wanted to get both of your opinions on this. I, I really wanted to get both your opinions on this. When you see the enemy destroying the view of the nuclear family and gender roles, what does that do to the promise that we have? Th th there is a latent promise I, I, or a subtext promise, if you will, out of Ephesians 5 that Christ loves us like a husband, a good husband. Everything you want out of a husband loves us, and it's unconditional. When we destroy that culturally, what does that do? I forgot who said it. Uh, I think it was Paul Washer. Um, but the, uh, sin has very far-reaching roots, um, I believe is the way he put it. In that, one changing one thing to suit your desires uh, instead of God's desires, is, it very much has a domino effect. You don't simply just, oh, I'm just going to do this one thing and then that's it. That's not how it goes. It you enter a blank check kind of thing. It just keeps on going and going and going. But the th unlike a blank check, eventually somebody has to pick up the bill, mm. and mm. Most people are not, they don't want to pay it, and at, once it gets far enough, they just want to declare bankruptcy, and that's it. Um, that's an interesting break, statement right break, there. Break that down a little bit further. That's an incredible analogy. Break it down real quick. The, you get so far into it that the thought of returning to where you should have been is an absolute impossibility in your mind because it's so difficult. It's a Mount Everest climb. And... And by the way, if you have transitioned and you are in that point, there are ministries like Exodus. There are men, look it up. And, and you want to believe that people will say transitions don't happen, detransitions don't happen. Yeah, they Exodus. do. Exodus is an incredible ministry that is taking these people who have been so badly wounded, by the way, by the culture, that has said that it's okay to do this to yourself. There are ways out of that rut the thing we need to understand is we're not supposed we're, we don't walk this race or we'll run this race by our own strength that that's not it at all it's not because i'm a great person or whatever that i'm able to come to church on sundays or whatever it's because of the people around me and the fact that god is there with me along there and it's his strength that i rely upon mm. Um, I, I'm reminded of Paul whenever he says, "Lord, take this weakness or take this uh, thorn out of my side," and God says, "No, for my weakness, you are made powerful, or in your weakness, mm -hmm. I'm made strong." And, yeah, yeah, God, weakness, yes, I'm made powerful. yes, and um, and it's it's a beautiful thing, um, because if I had to do this by my own strength, they would, oh my gosh, uh, it would be a Mount Everest at yeah. that point. Mm -hmm. no, we, none of us would be here. That's right. And that's the, and that's the thing. You, your strength, your own strength, you are living by the active will of God. It says, in him all things are held. The mm. middle finger that is thrown at God, I firmly believe, is being actively formed and held by that God. Mm. You want to talk about a loving God? You want to talk about the wrath of God? The wrath of God is not what, what you think it is. If you think it's this angry Zeus-like character throwing thunderbolts, no. 
the wrath of God is something entirely different because God doesn't get that angry. Not, mm. not, not like a human does. He gets mm. angry, but he is under control. So I want to go over... Long suffering. I want to kind of pull it over to the political chair. When you have institution... Now that we have this institutionalized breaking down of the family structure, we, we've talked about LBJ, we've talked about the greater cities policy, how we've targeted spe specific families, you know, for racial reasons, breaking them apart. But now we have an institutionalization of psychiatric disorder, and, and it's on the DSM-5. You're a nurse. What do you think that, what are the long-term ramifications of this politically? What is it, what, what have we induced our government officials to promote? Well, long-term politically, it is our downfall. I mean, we mentioned Rome and, and all of these historical societies where this is, this is the herald of a society that is crumbling. Um, long-term, that brings into question whether we have a long term or not, but um, long term it it creates a very dangerous political game because really for politics you can replace transgenderism with anything that makes people initially happy that gives them that hit of dopamine or or anything like that. If if you can reduce politics down to I will make your life easier through some surface level means that destroys the whole game. Politics is never easy or it shouldn't be easy. Political solutions are not black and white and a careful politician should always consider that whatever good policy, even if it is a truly good policy, that can have a lot of ramifications that you never even considered. And that thought has fluttered out the window. It is now immediate gratification. Is this solving the problem that's going to get me the most votes? Well, it's not really solving the problem, but it looks like it's solving the problem, so it will get me the most votes, so I don't care if it's actually solving the problem. If you scratch an itch, and the itch is coming from an allergic reaction, did you actually fix the problem? No. No, and, and the immediate relief that you feel while you're scratching, all that's going to do is... Injure you. Injure you, inflame the area more. Some people, scratching actually makes you more itchy. It's like a vicious cycle, you know, depending on what's causing it. But And that's the analogy right there. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't stop. No. You never. have to keep going. And so I, I'm on... And then you get to the point that Winston was talking about where you keep going, keep going, keep going, and then you're trapped because it's too hard to climb back out. And a lot of politicians in our media are digging themselves a hole that's getting harder and harder to come out of. And so I want to move over to the chair of economics where we're, we're kind of at the end of our, of our time here, about five minutes left. I want to give most of it to you, your thoughts. One of the things that... Um I would say is um, this is a, uh, I don't want to say it respectfully, but you're entering into a world of make-believe. And what you're asking is everybody out to enter into the world of make-believe with you. 
Um, I had to fill out a medical form the other day, and the question was, what was your sex at birth? What was your gender at birth? Well, my gender was female. It's, it's still female. It will always be female. Um, in the economy in which we live, which is a sad thing, I think, for our young people, is because it's easy. There's enough money. There's enough this. There's enough that. They don't understand the economy that will be coming for lack of um, morality because your economy is going to be built mostly on what your moral values are. That's the, the blessing of God and takes the blessing away. And this, you can study this in history. Anytime that any society embraces the issues that we're embracing today, it is a fallen society. And it is overtaken by another country. Um, that is just pure fact. One of the things I, I would like to say just for the, the person out there who is struggling with this is if you're a man and you have the surgery, you will never experience a sexuality of a woman because you will be dead sexually. Talk to people who've had the, had the surgery. They're dead sexually. 20, They're, 25% cannot reach orgasm and a significantly higher percentage have a significantly well, decrease in the tissue. The di it's damaged. I, I don't mean to be gross, but when you chop stuff up and then flip it in and sort of, if you if you actually want to advocate for this crap, go watch a three D representation of the surgery. Well, the hormone. I mean, the hormone part of it all. Even yes, it's just what they're offering you is robbing you of what you think that you're going to gain. You actually are going to lose. And that's, and that's the sad part of all that's, of this. That's what Satan wants right there. Every time, every time, what is sin? It's a cheap imitation of God's plan for you. So with that be said, let it be known that if you're going through this, God loves you. He hates with a jealous passion the idea that has taken your mind captive if this transgender idea has come into you, if you, have, if you have come to the place where you feel that that is the only way, God hates that idea because it is robbing you. It is going to ultimately hurt you. You want to talk about what God hates? God hates that. God loves you. He would that all would come to repentance. He would that all would be saved. So... With that said, going around the room one last time, Chair of Theology, give us your wrap-up. I think that if people truly understood how good God really is, and they understood the context of the Word of God, they would look at issues like this very differently. And that's what we would like to encourage you to do. Think about what God has said, not what Westboro, not what the SBC not what uh, Rome has said, not what any of these people have said. Don't look at man. Look at the plenary interpretation of Scripture. In other words, what the Scripture says, it means in total and yeah. whole, what's plainly seen over the entire course of the Scripture, God loves you. God wants a relationship with you that you were literally made for. Amen. That's what he wants for you. Chair of Culture, I want you both to chime in real quick. You can't chop off the rear half of a car and call it a truck. All right. Yep. Hey, at, at the end of the day, you are 
what God made you. And instead of trying to damage yourself, let's try to fix the hole that's been created, whether through abuse or through need, whatever it caused it, let's try to fix that. Mr. Steve. Even though you may be transitioned, you're still what you are when you were born. Amen. Even though you think you're something else, God still loves you. God will always love you. Always remember that. Doesn't matter what you think about yourself, you can still find salvation in Jesus Christ, and he will always be there for you. Don't be fooled by Satan and his deception. That's all Satan is about. Amen. Deception. God's love is immutable. In other words, it is as much as part of God as his holiness and righteousness. He loves you. That is who he is. Jennifer. Yeah. Do not fall for Satan's deception and recognize that one of the chief tools that I think that he's using right now is politicians and activists mm. who are deceiving you into thinking that this is going to solve your problems. This is going to take away your pain, and it's not. Don't be fooled into thinking there's an easy way out. Good word. Life is hard. Solutions are difficult. And and we want to be here to help you through that difficult time. But don't be seduced into thinking you're going to take the easy way out because it is a one-way trip down into the ravine and it'll be a hard climb out. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily one way, but it's a fast trip down, Mm. a long, long dig out. And the further you go, the harder it is. True, very true. Amen. Miss Nikki. Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. Bringing your mind into agreement with your body will bring you wholeness not the other way around. Amen. With that said, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Uh, not a light one, but uh, if you have a story that you wish to tell about family members, friends, etc., cetera, uh, go ahead and put it in the comment section down below. If you have an argument that we missed or a thought or a verse that you think would be pertinent, go ahead and put it in the comment section. And uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, etc. Thank you all so much uh, for tuning in every week. We really appreciate it. If you did not like this, well, go ahead and smash that dislike button twice. And uh, God loves you immutably, even if we feel offended. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. If you're still here, if you're still here, go ahead and uh, let us know down in the comments section. If you or a family member have ever struggled with this. And if you've and don't feel, you know, don't feel like you have to be outed, but if you have some, and don't out someone who's not out, but uh, you can refer to them in general and give one loving way, maybe this way, one loving way to speak to this person who's suffering with body dysmorphia. Mm. One loving thing that you can give. I would say that I try to... That's difficult. It's it's a difficult subject to broach. Here, I'll come back around. Yep. Yeah. So 
I'll give you mine real quick. Respect. That's good you word. need to give these people the human respect and the love. Love is built on respect. Yeah. If they do not see that you respect them, you cannot possibly love them. I have, I have the words now. So this is specifically for um, homosexuality, but I think it can apply to transgenderism also. It is the fact that the reason that we want to change, let's use change, change this thing about them, is because this thing is robbing them of the joy that God has for them. It, it, it is a trick of Satan, and we are coming to them because we want them to know true joy. It's not because we want to be mean. Amen. Miss Nikki. I would say love, I would love them where they're at and be willing to walk with them through um, their, their uh, healing process. Amen. Jesus always met people where they were at, and Jesus never started with Jesus. Amen. Start with their need. For thou art fearfully and wonderfully made. God has not made one mistake. He didn't start with you. Amen. Winston. Being a, uh, well, I mean, one, respect, and going off of what you said, John Arthur, and also uh, just being a, an attentive listener, even if you, you know, disagree with the idea. Um, not not being open to changing your position because I mean the the word is the word, but being loving in the regard and how or being loving in how you respond to uh to sometimes their emotional outbursts and such like that um will be a a great demonstration of God's love. Can I say, church, please don't turn off the television or turn off someone when you hear something you don't agree with. Please listen and come up with an appropriate response, one that's loving. Mr. Steve. Yeah, I'd like to say that um, Christians do not dislike or hate those that are homosexual or transgender or anybody in the LGBTQ society or culture. Christians do not hate these people. They don't just necessarily don't agree with what they believe. We believe in a different concept. We believe in God. We believe in what God has set out for us. We go down a different path. That's the difference. Although we still have respect for them, we still love them. We just don't have the same belief. One could say it's like two doctors having a different diagnosis and a different procedure for the same problem. We don't ignore the problem. We say, what you're suggesting, this operation will not succeed in what you want it to succeed. Remember that, beloved, come to this with love, come to it with respect, come to it with facts, but don't let the facts mow down the person that you're presenting him to. We love y'all. Put down in the comment section down below what you think. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.